I can't remember if I showed you, but I got bangs. <gasps> you didn't show me. I never see your hair down. Well, remember? Then, well then again, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're cute. Cute. I they, like them. You can't do short ones because that just... With the, the bakery, it's hard. Yeah. And the hairstylist was like, I don't think so. Let's try longer ones. And... Ta-da! No. It looks really good. I like them. They look really good. They frame your face very nicely. Thank your hairstylist was very, very... Ugh. I like that. And when your hair's curly, they'll be super cute, too. I have tried, and it it definitely needs to be, like, held back. Otherwise, it's like... Yeah. I feel like, also, you just... You have to just tame your hair. And, like, curly mm-hmm. hair is, like, its own thing. But, like, it just takes time. Because, mm-hmm. yeah, it just takes time. And then, eventually, they'll just naturally flow with your curly hair, too. Mm-hmm. But yeah. it doesn't help you straighten your hair every day. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm glad I don't have to do that. So... Yeah, my hairstyle, she's going in for soldier surgery um, from a past accident. And so for the next couple months, she'll be out and be like, okay, I know this thing, the treatment will like pretty much be done by the end of the month. So then I'll be like, okay, it's going to be curly. Um, I can just like condition it, get it a bit healthier before when she gets better, then it'll be easier to work with. Cool. And then one day, maybe you'll just let your hair be naturally curly forever and stop stripping your hair. <laughs> We'll see. <laughs> but curly hair is so cute. Mm. I love your curly hair. Thank you. Oh, I just fogged up my glasses doing this. <laughs> Hello, animal lovers. Welcome to my podcast where I geek out about animals. I'm Nicole, and you are listening to Animal Facts. This podcast may not be suitable for all listening ears, specifically young ones. And I just want to remind everyone that I am not a professional, just an animal enthusiast, because I just love learning about them. I think they're so cool, and they can do so many cool things. Some things I say may just be my opinion, and sometimes I am misinformed. Or sometimes I am just straight up wrong. So forgive me, I am only human after all. But please email me at animalfactspodcast at gmail.com so I can correct myself, and I also have the chance to learn from you. Thanks for joining me! Enjoy! Welcome, animal lovers, to the Animal Facts Podcast. I'm Nicole, and my super awesome guest this week is... Brie. Brie! You all will love her. She's the pun master. Um, we'll see how well you do with puns with the this animal. <laughs> all right. You're... Time to improvise. <laughs> yes, always, always. Those are the best puns, though. Mm-hmm. Um, your personal question this week is everybody's first personal question of how did we meet slash what's a memory of us? <laughs> um, I think we first met definitely at an Insomnia Coffee Company. Like, mm-hmm. I think I saw you when I was first handing in my resume. Oh! Like you were in the back. And then I think when we first officially met was um, during my training. Those first few weeks in February. Mm-hmm. So like kind of an anniversary right now. Yeah, that's true. Hey, Brie, we've known each other for five years now. <laughs> doesn't feel like five years. <laughs> no, it doesn't. <laughs> oh, I don't know if it feels longer or shorter. Mm-hmm. I feel like we've known each other for, like, a really long time, but then you look mm-hmm. back and I'm like, I feel like we haven't been friends for that long. Mm-hmm. It's weird. It's been a good time. It has been. It has been. I remember, because you helped us move the bakery from the one location to the other. Yes. And then you officially started your training when we got settled into the new one. Mm-hmm. And I remember... You were so quiet and shy, and I was always, like, asking you questions, trying to get you to, like, open up and be, like, and you were just, like, give me, like, the shortest, quickest answer, and I was, like, uh, okay, 
And then I'd have to think of like another question. And I was like, I don't know how to get her to talk. She's so just like, I don't know. <laughs> so I was like, I agree. And then I finally found the secret. It was books. <laughs> I could get you to talk yep, about you, books. You, you cracked the code. I did. It just took a while, but I figured it out. Mm-hmm. Oh. We went challenge accepted, little human. <laughs> Pretty much. Little human. You're so much taller than me, though. Uh, baby Baker. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> Good times though, books. That was that was the code. Got you to talk about books, but I remember like McKenna, Murray, and Michelle are like, we can't get her to talk, and I was like, I'm still working on it too, because I was usually the one that could get anyone to talk, because like Murray used to be like the quiet one that like McKenna and Michelle couldn't get her to talk very much, and I got her to like talk for a whole shift once, and I was like, I don't know what you guys are talking about. So when they were all like, Bree doesn't talk much, I was like, whatever, it's gonna be like Murray all over again. But then I was like. Oh my gosh! She's like locked and key. Like, what the heck? She's so hard to crack. But we got there. And now you talk all the time. Mm-hmm. Just took a minute. You're just shy. And then the puns came along. And yes. Then, then some of them were wishing, uh, just go back. I know. And then, like, we would hear stories of, like, you and Cody working together. And Cody would be like, Bree said this thing. And we were all like, Bree said that? Like,. You just would confuse us, man. <laughs> Keep you on your toes. Seriously, you you were like a little ninja of surprises. <laughs> Alright, you ready to guess what animal I have picked out for you? Alright, yeah. Alright, first things first. It is a mammal, okay. but it, uh, it does have an A in it. I had to look. I can never remember how to spell these animals. All right. All right. First official clue. A group of them is called a gang, mob, or band. I feel it has to be like a monkey. Maybe. I will not confirm or deny until it's time. Hmm. Animal has an A. Known as a gang, mob, or band. Band. Hmm. It's got to be a monkey of some type. All right, monkey of some type. I will not confirm or deny it. (laughs) Your second clue is that this animal is known to lose about 5% of its body weight during the night, so it has to eat a lot. That's a high metabolism. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Or Hmm. a crazy environment. Oh, Can I get a hint of, like, where this animal lives? Nope. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> Worth a shot. Oh, I have to open up the other web thing so you can hear the sound of it. Oh, well, that's your last clue. What okay. it makes this sound. All right, you ready? Yes, I'm ready. What <laughs> That's the sound it makes. It sounds like a bunch of teenagers getting up and wanting food. <laughs> Fake me! <laughs> okay. Cranky, cranky teenagers. Alright, mammal makes that sound. Makes that sound. Um, has an A in it. Mm-hmm. Band. All those other words. Um, gang and mob. Gang and mob. Um. The more you learn about this animal, the more gang and mob just seems very fitting. 
I got nothing, but I'm still sticking with like, some type of primate. Perfect. Ready? Yes. Drum roll. Your favorite animal, the meerkat. Oh! <laughs> How did I not? Oh. <laughs> I was hoping you wouldn't figure just... out that I decided to do your favorite animal. I was like, hopefully they're still her favorite animal. <laughs> I used to watch, like, there was, like, a meerkat show on Animal Planet or whatever channel when I was growing up. I should have known that. Ah. <laughs> you know what? You've learned a lot of other yeah. things since then, so it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Honestly, half the stuff that I already researched, I'm like, I don't remember half of that stuff already because I, like, did more animals afterwards and I always forget so many things. And people will be like, oh, you remember this thing about this animal from your episode? I'm like, nope. <laughs> already forgotten it. <laughs> I forget very easily, so it's okay. It's okay. (laughs) All right, you ready to learn about the meerkat? Yes. And you can tell me if any of this stuff seems familiar to you. All right. Cool. And you can just punch me with all the puns. (laughs) All right. Let's dig into it. (laughs) Yeah. There it is. First pun. (laughs) So some general info about the meerkat is that they are also known as surrogates. Surrogate. Something like that. Um, which is funny to me, because I think of surrogate. Yeah, like surrogate mother. Or yeah, whatever. but surrogate. It's S-U-R-I-C-A-T-E. Okay. So, um, they are members of the mongoose family, so not monkeys or primates. <laughs> but that's okay. Mongooses in general are just fight-me creatures. Yeah, mongooses are crazy. Yep. They take down cobras. True. Mongooses are crazy. And there's like a bunch of different types of them too. So mm-hmm. they're a member of the mongoose family. And you know what? You Yes, they're very fitting in that family because they are crazy. Mobs and gangs, very mm-hmm. fitting for their group family, <laughs> which we will talk about. Um, so there are actually 35 species of mongoose, but in... For meerkats, they differ from most of those species. There's only, like, three or four of the mongoose family that are, like, not super antisocial or whatever. So they're pretty different from the other species of mongoose, um, but they are still similar in other ways. Does that make sense? Yes. Cool. Um, There are three different subspecies of meerkat, and they're just found in varying geographic locations, but they're pretty similar for the Mm -hmm. most part, mostly just where they're found, and then slight coloring or fur markings are a little bit different. So Depending on the region. Precisely. How they fit in with that. Yeah, so for the most part, we're talking about all meerkats in general. I'm not going to talk about their subspecies, because they're basically all the same, minus where they're found and a little bit of their appearance. Um, And then, as we said, a group of them is called a gang, mob, or a band, and then the babies are called pups or kits. They are pretty cute. They are super cute. I think the zoo has a family of meerkats living there. Probably. I think Mm so. I'll say so, yeah. I feel like so, yeah. Probably. They're a lot smaller than I thought they were. Mm -hmm. Because I don't know why. Like, I just imagined them to be bigger. But, like, when I, like, learned how about, like, with their size, I was like, they're a lot smaller than I thought. (laughs) And they're, like, crazy. Okay. All right. So, meerkats are small sized animals with a long slender body and then they have a tail that's really long that basically like doubles their length um so they're light colored and then their tail it has a black tip on it 
along with the rest of their fur is like a sandy to light brown color and then they have darker stripes on their back and then like a little bit of a lighter face and underside um and they usually have about eight dark stripes but that could vary based on subspecies but for the most part it's eight and then they have markings on their sides which are unique to the individual and then they have short flat ears with elongated muzzles and a black nose and dark colored bands around their eyes and these dark patches are there to help them cut the sun's glare out and then they also have long horizontal pupils which give them a very wide range vision so mm-hmm. they have natural like sunglasses <laughs> The with their fur built in, like gray band pretty much to help with the sun's glare and then they have really good vision they're very much adapted to live where they live it's pretty crazy mm-hmm. you can go into the points um they have long sharp claws on their front paws that are curved and they can grow up to two centimeters long which doesn't seem very long but then you put it on a tiny animal and you imagine you having like two centimeter long claws when you're like the size of a squirrel and you're like woof kind of like acrylic nails yeah yeah no thank you i don't do well with long nails i bite my nails and then if they're too long i just i like i have to keep them short otherwise i bite them you Mm -hmm. know i have to trim mine frequently otherwise they just bend yeah and then so when you're working in a bakery they just get really dirty yeah it's like that's gross yeah no thanks i don't want cinnamon roll dough stuck under my nails forever yep no (laughs) no thank you cool um so yeah their long curved claws help them to dig and to find food and just in general defend themselves and then their fur helps them to stay cool in the heat of the day but it also helps insulate them in the cold of the night so mm. their fur is very helpful and multi-purpose. And they have thinner fur on their stomachs, but dark skin. And that helps them to control their body temperature as well. Hey. Yeah. Very adaptable. With their own AC and heat unit <laughs> self-installed. Much. Pretty much. <laughs> um, they, as we know, have the ability to stand on their back feet. Mm-hmm. And to just stand straight up and like look around. And the more you learn about them, the more that Lion King was accurate with the scurry, sniff, flinch thing. Very accurate. I was reading this and I was like, oh my gosh. They really are like, scurry, sniff, flinch. (laughs) Dig a tunnel. Scurry, sniff, flinch, anxiety. Pretty much, yeah. So much anxiety. These animals live with constant fear of anxiety and death. Mm -hmm. It's crazy. No wonder they're so angry all the time because... When I'm having, like, a lot of anxiety, I get really angry, and I, like, snap a lot. So it makes sense that these animals are as aggressive as they are, because they're just constantly feeling anxiety. Gnats! Trying to eat my plants. How dare they. I know. So rude. The audacity. The- <laughs> Leave my plants alone. Alright, so, they measure to be about 9 and 3 quarters to 11 and 3 quarter inch which is about 25 to 30 centimeters from head to toe or from head to butt. And then their tails add about another 7 to 10 inches, which is about 19 to 24 centimeters. So they're less than a ruler, obviously. Mm-hmm. Except for that, the centimeters go to about 30 centimeters. Right? Yeah. yeah. Kind of like no bigger than a loaf of bread. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. So they're... 
less than a ruler for the most part. But then their yeah. tails add like another chunk, so then they are bigger than a ruler. Yeah. That's the sound of my ruler getting pushed back into its messy spot on my desk. It's a designated spot. Um, doo, doo, doo. And then they weigh less than 2.2 pounds, which is one kilogram, making them weigh about the same as a squirrel. So, they're Very anxious squirrel. Yeah. Yeah, rather than, like, a cute little, like, bushy, small squirrel thing, it's, like, basically, like, stretched out because they're, like, they're kind of long, but they're really skinny, slender, and then they have their their long tail, but then they weigh so little. They're crazy. It's like God made them. It's like, okay, I'm going to make a creature that is an AC heat unit. It's got um, its own sunglasses, and we're going to give it kind of, like, the tail of a squirrel, except we're taking the fluff out, and it's gonna have anxiety. Just a dash. Oh, I spilled the whole thing on it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Anxiety. We'll you're gonna be an aggressive guy because you're so anxious all the time. Oh, it'll be, death. It'll be okay. <laughs> it'll be fine. Okay. We'll play with the mongoose. <laughs> we're just gonna. The anxiety's gonna be the theme of this whole thing. It's gonna be great, and it's gonna make so much sense for us the rest of the thing too. So much anxiety. <laughs> all right. Because these guys have so much anxiety, where do you think they fall on their conservation status? Are they, like, least concerned, threatened, endangered? Um, Extinct. Mm, <laughs> no, no, I don't think so. <laughs> um, I want to say they maybe possibly fall in the middle, because I can't remember where they live. Um, at least the background knowledge I have is um, more desert, mm-hmm. um, rocky areas, so... They are away from people, but also people can encroach. Yeah. So, I'm going to say somewhere in the middle, like, possibly in danger, but I wouldn't say critically. So, like, near threatened, maybe? Where they were, mm-hmm. like, threatened? Threatened, So they're possibly. not totally endangered, but they're not, like, completely, like, meh, they're fine. They're, like, yeah. on the list of... They should the... probably start to worry. Yeah, start to worry, but... Cool. Not, like, oh my gosh. Cool. They are actually least concerned. (laughs) Um, However, like, I say this a lot because there's a few animals that are truly, like, least concerned and, like, very much least concerned. But then there's the few that are least concerned. But we can see that they're probably going to be, like, near-threatened or start making their way to those lists a bit more. Mm -hmm. Um, Because they do have, like... They are widespread, and they are very common throughout much of their natural range. Um, But certain areas do affect, like, how well they do based on rainfall. So if there's less rainfall, then they have a harder time surviving. And then they also, like, there can be, like, a higher rise of natural predators. Um, But with all of these things in mind, for the most part, their populations are pretty stable because they do produce very easily. So they just kind of keep pumping babies out. Plus, they can be found on, like, a few national parks, so they are kind of protected in some areas. Um, So for now, they are least concerned. They have seen, like, some dips here and there, but for the most part, they're doing okay. Pretty stable. Yeah. Like squirrels, they just kind of keep making babies and working on them, so. They're like underground um, rabbits, but mongoose. Yes. Yes. So. Um... Their history. I didn't do a whole lot on their history because there's a bunch of other stuff about them. And sometimes history can be boring. (laughs) 
but the only thing I have in their history is that they were first named in 1776. Okay. And the name Meerkat, I guess, is like the Afrikaans or because it's named for it, and which in English translates to marsh cat, but they are not cats, nor do they live in the marsh lands. So it's like, guys, I think you might have. Yeah. So maybe we'll just keep with surrogate, <laughs> whatever surrogate means. I don't know. <laughs> um, but yeah, so they were first named in 1776. That's all I have for history. That's all right. <laughs> we have, I mean, I could have done more, but I was also trying to get lots of other stuff done too. But right. in there, there's a lot about these animals later on. They're a little crazy, which I'm surprised they are least concerned with how crazy they are, in all honesty, mm-hmm. which will make sense because of all their anxieties. That's probably why they're least concerned because their anxiety keeps them alive. Mm-hmm. All right. So environment, you said... Desert, rocky areas, right? Mm-hmm. Where in the world do you think they are found? Um, I do know I'm Africa. Yeah! Specifically <laughs> the Kalahari Desert. Yes, they are found in Africa and in the Kalahari Desert. You are absolutely right. So they're very adaptable and pretty resilient, which is also why they are of least concern, because their anxiety keeps them so. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, they're found in open and arid semi-desert plains in southern and western Africa. They're found in the scrublands of the Kalahari Desert. And then as for the Kalahari Desert, the conditions of this place are very crazy. Yeah. I would never want to live there. <laughs> yeah, nah. So here are some temperatures of the Kalahari Desert. In the summer... It can reach about 40 degrees Celsius, which is 104 degrees Fahrenheit. But the sand can reach temperatures of 7 degrees Celsius, which is 158 degrees Fahrenheit. Ow. Can you imagine being on that barefoot? You would just straight up burn your feet. Yeah, that'd kind of be like, um, uh, I'm going home now. Yeah, no thank you. I need someone to carry me because my feet are burned. Right, no thank you. I don't want to be stuck in the sand all day. And then the temperatures drop at night, and then also in the winter they drop to as low as like zero below, like down to zero or ten below in Celsius, which is about fourteen degrees Fahrenheit. No, thank you. Yeah, sounds a little bit landlocked. Right. So you're like super, super hot burning your face and feet off and then you're like super super cold or you're shivering and you're just like I just want to be warm again Mm -hmm. and that sand don't contain heat nope so crazy so that's where they survive so no wonder they have so much anxiety yep (laughs) an environment that's trying to either burn you or freeze you right um and has like very little everything so it has incredibly low levels of annual rainfall in this area and like the small amount that falls is generally between the months of january and february um and then individual territories of a meerkat can cover a large enough space that makes sure that they have enough that they need to successfully survive so sometimes like their bands or their groups or mobs or whatever will overlap with other meerkat groups which we'll talk about later about how that's not the best thing for them um sounds like it might be a little bit of a fight they're they're a bit territorial uh (laughs) but yeah so they try to cover enough area in their desert to survive with their whole families their whole mobs Mm -hmm. um but 
as we know, survival there is difficult. So it truly is survival of the fittest. Um, so, yeah. Mm -hmm. And then their areas of territory will, they'll try to make sure it includes both hard and soft sand because the hard sand provides, like, really good ground for digging and, like, digging their tunnels and, um, Good burrowing system, but it requires more energy for them to dig in it. So that's why the softer sand is nicer to like be able to have more energy with other activities because they can conserve energy with softer sand they're digging in. So they usually try to use the softer sand to find other animals in because that's what they eat. Um, but and the other thing is that they are really good diggers, they're very good diggers. But they try to find burrows dug by other animals, so that way they don't have to do the hard work. Um, usually other, like, ground squirrels or something that has dug a burrow, they'll kind of just take that over yeah. or find it and be like, this is where we live now. Um, I just hope no one's ocu occupying the space at the time. Right? I don't know how that works. I guess it depends on the size of the animal. If they mm -hmm. find one and they kick the other animal out, or if they just find an abandoned one, I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. um, but that is what they will try to do, is find other burrows that have already been dug by other animals, so they don't have to. <laughs> but they will adjust it accordingly. Because their burrowing systems are pretty intricate. They can be about... They can have like 15 different entrances and exits, and they can reach about six and a half feet or two meters like deep so they can go pretty low deep and then they have different chambers in their burrows like for bathrooms sleeping their little nursery areas so they have pretty intricate things and they don't even just have one that they keep they have like multiple burrowing like homes in their territory so they'll just like change which one they're going to be living in over a few months they'll adjust yeah, so that's smart yeah, which it just, I think it changes mostly with, like, we've eaten all the food we can find out here, let's go try this one over here, or there's a predator over here, we're going to go live over here for a few months, and then they just kind of hop around as needed. So, yeah. I kind of want to see them HGTV Meerkat Edition. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so, yeah. And then they stay in their burrows to stay safe from predators, and then also to stay cool during the hot days, and then also to stay warm in the cold nights. Mm -hmm. So their burrows are very important for their survival. So no wonder they're crazy. Gotta spend a lot of time in there. You know, so. the multiple entrances and exits just to make sure air's coming down in there so there's a cave in. There you go. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. And also, yes. True. That would be sad. Just mm -hmm. cave in. But at least they could dig their way out. Probably. Probably. Hopefully. They can hold their breath long enough. I don't know how that would work. Um, alright, so diet and hunting. What do you think they eat? Are they carnivores, omnivores, herbivores, um, insectivores? I'm gonna say more carnivores. I know they like to eat bugs or whatever pretty much they can get their hands on. Pretty much. So, Timon and Pumbaa. Very accurate with Timon's eating all the buggies. Mm -hmm. Um, So they are carnivores and they will eat a lot of insects along with like other invertebrates such as like lizards and scorpions and spiders but they will also eat larger things like other small rodents um so maybe they do eat the ground squirrels they kick their horns out of i don't know and then they so they mostly eat other animals because that's how they are capable of surviving because that's where they get their moisture 
because they don't have a lot of rainfall. Mm-hmm. So they get like all the water, nutrients, and moisture that they need from <laughs> the animals they eat and kill. And then they're very good hunters. So if they come across something bigger, like a snake or a bigger lizard, then like they'll eat the smaller things all for themselves. But if they come across something bigger, then like they'll kill it together and then they eat it mm-hmm. together. Um, so then that way. Teamwork yeah. makes the dream work. Yep. So they're foragers, and so they constantly are foraging around in the sand looking for a meal, and they have a really good sense of smell, which helps them to sniff out the potential prey that's lurking just under the sand. And then they use their sharp teeth and claws to dig and eat it and kill it. Um, and they spend a lot of their time foraging for food because, as we said, they're known to lose 5% of their body weight at night just for surviving. So they have to make sure they're eating enough in the day so they're not mm-hmm. <laughs> they're not yeah. wasting all of their energy. Um, so, and then they, uh, with scorpions, the adults are known to have, like, some immunity to the scorpion venom. So they don't, like, mind being stung by a scorpion, right? Pretty cool. But for the babies, what they do, because they don't want to feed the babies scorpions, they actually take the tails off the scorpions for the babies. So the adults will remove the poisonous bits of these dangerous animals so the babies can eat them um, without getting injured, because the babies aren't as immune. Mm -hmm. Wait wait till you get older, kiddo. Right. Oh, look, a scorpion snack. Let me just remove that tail. Here you go. So crazy. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's what they eat. Insects, bugs, rodents, lizards, snakes, carnivores, mm. basically. So. Oh my. Oh my. <laughs> um, what do you think eats the meerkats or what are meerkats' like, threats and predators? I definitely say hawks mm-hmm. living out there or anything bigger that probably they can't take down. Yeah. And I'd say other meerkats would be a threat to them as too. <laughs> as well yes other meerkats can be a threat to them if they're on the same if turf. they're having a territory war because mobs and gangs are real <laughs> turf wars <laughs> um so yeah but you were right hawks and eagles like so birds of prey are their biggest things and they they're so fearful of birds like they're constantly on the lookout for birds because mm-hmm. birds are i think their biggest biggest thing because they can like swoop down and just grab them out of nowhere sometimes Mm -hmm. but then there are other things like land ones would be like jackals and snakes um so that's that's Mm -hmm. what's their dangers and then they are also known to uh when they are in areas that are closer to humans um for the most part they're not super close to humans but when they are in areas that are closer to civilization they can get um diseases from the domestic animals that are grazing in that area so they've been known to contract bovine diseases and rabies which can affect like their entire population um not good yeah so that's another thing so like humans have a small effect on them in that sense but we're not really like kicking them out quite yet of their territory um because there's not much for us out there (laughs) so they're doing fine in that sense of territory but when they do get close enough to human civilization, they do have issues with our domesticated cattle, basically, or grazing animals can affect them. Um, so how they protect themselves from these threats and predators is that they have, they find a lot of safety in numbers. 
So that's one thing. And then they, uh, usually when like a bunch of them are foraging, there's always one individual always on guard and it's like constantly like making a sound like everything's good. And then when it senses danger, it alerts them and then they all go take cover Mm -hmm. and they are able to, if they need to take down a bigger predator. So if like a snake is coming around to them, then like the whole like group of them will basically take turns biting the snake and attacking the snake and like avoiding the snake. Until the snake gets tired enough that it either leaves or that they end up killing it. Because there's, like, a bunch of them attacking one snake. So they are capable of taking down predators larger than themselves um, when they work together to fight off the the threat. Mm -hmm. But they can't really fight off birds, so they usually just hide. (laughs) So that is their threats and predators. Alright, you ready for their behavior other than their anxiety? Yeah. <laughs> Are they nocturnal or diurnal? I want to say I'd go with diurnal means daytime. Yes, yes. So they're up during the day is diurnal. Yeah. Because I'd imagine at nighttime, if it gets like 17 degrees, Ooh, you're not going to be really out there doing much. No. And everything cold. else would be hiding somewhere or like trying to stay warm accurate they are diurnal so they are up during those daytimes and they sleep during the night <laughs> like me mm-hmm. um and then as we said they are territorial um so they mark their territory with scent pouches that are located below their tails so they'll rub these pouches on like rocks and plants to mark their territory to like warn other meerkats like don't come over here um not necessarily that they always obey and then as for their, like, social like, structure, that's where they kind of separate from other mongooses. Because most mongooses are pretty, like, on their own and not super, like, in a family and social group. Mm-hmm. Um, but meerkats are very social. They like to be around a lot of their own kind. Um, so, All right. do you think that it's just, like, a bunch of, like, meerkats that get together and they hang out, like, in a... Lion King with Timon's, like, whole group, right? It's just a bunch of meerkats. Or do you think they're, like, organized families? What do you think? Um, I'm going to say more organized families, because with the different meerkats um, living around the area in their own groups, um, they'd probably be more, like, family, like, of the same blood, rather than, otherwise it'd be one big group. True. True, true, true. You are accurate. So, these groups are ruled by a dominant male and female, which is the alpha pair, and the alpha pair is also normally ruled by the alpha female. So the female's usually the one fully in charge and has, like... It's more of a matriarch. Yeah, it is more of a matriarch. But occasionally, like, the alpha male will, like, fight the female or whatever for, like, a breeding session. (laughs) And then it's like, so, like, that's where he gets his, like, no, I want to do this thing, and... So they'll fight over that, but we'll talk about that in a minute. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, so they're mostly ruled by the dominant male and female, and they have, like, for the most part, the exclusive breeding rights. So one website did say, like, it's made up of, like, four to five, like, meerkat, like, breeding pairs and then their children. But then other websites that I read was like, nope. (laughs) It's mostly the dominant male and female and then their offspring. And then the occasional, like immigrant males will come in 
So there's not usually immigrant females. <clears throat> so most of the females in there are like the offspring of the dominant pair. Mm-hmm. Um, if they're not the dominant, the alpha females' babies, then they're most like they're like not going to be. They're not going to survive in that group. Oh. Um. So there's that. Um. But yeah. So there's the alpha pair, and then there's the subordinate pair, like females. And then there's, like, the subordinate males and then the occasional immigrant males. Um, And once in a while, occasionally, the subordinate males, or, like, not the subordinate, the immigrant males will, like, breed with the alpha female occasionally, but not very often Mm because the dominant male usually tries to make sure that never happens. But the alpha male can't ever mate with any of the subordinate females because they're all his offspring. (laughs) That'd be a bit weird. So, there's not a whole lot of mating that happens in that sense with non-dominant alphas because most of them are their children. So. Yeah, let's not do that. Yes. So, that's how their group works. Um, And then they have, like, the majority of their mob gang foraging for food while some of them stand guard using different vocals to, like, warn them. And then their groups can contain anywhere from 2 to 50 year cats, um, with the average being, like, 10 to 30. And remember, most of those are all related to each other, so they produce a lot of babies. Like, um, okay, guys, let's just settle down a little. Right, and we'll talk about just, just how crazy their baby production is. Um, so that's, that is their groups... And then the adult subordinate females sometimes get evicted by the dominant female, by the alpha. Um, And when that happens, most of the time those females will still remain on, like, her mob's territory. But they'll usually sleep alone or forage alone. um, And sometimes they group up with other subordinate evicted females. (laughs) So they make, like, their own little, like, mini mob of, like, exiled daughters pretty much until the alpha ma like females aggression towards them subsides so then they can return back to the rest of the group so it's like it's like they have an argument and the mom kicks them out and then she's like i forgive you and then they're allowed to come back it's super weird they're crazy (laughs) because of all their anxieties it's like there's other ways to deal with this mom instead of kicking your daughter out right so like what was the argument what was the reason oh gosh who knows man who knows (laughs) who really knows (laughs) um so how they like to spend their day when they're not foraging for food and trying to stay alive and stressing out all the time is that in the mornings before it gets too hot they like to sunbathe and then they just most of the time are keeping keeping watch for for predators and sounding alarms if there's danger um and then when there is they hide away in their burrows so the babies not baby babies but the young meerkats that aren't fully like trained or can fully do everything yet the degenerates um, yeah the juveniles (laughs) they don't stray too far away from the den because they um need to be able to hide quickly Mm because they're smaller and easier target a lot of the times and then they always have a babysitter appointed to watching them which is kind of funny and so they'll like be out of their den playing in the hot sand and then they'll hear a call and the babysitter's like you get inside so i think it's funny though that they have like an appointed babysitter 
So maybe that's what the fight was, is that the mom was mad that the sister didn't watch her siblings good enough. I don't know. Who knows? Like, get off your phone! (laughs) So much anxiety. So, yep, they have babysitters, and then the different communication calls they have um, include a a long howl that warned the rest of the band of a bird approaching, and then they do a double... Like, short double bark to alert if there's, like, a ground predator, like a jackal or a snake approaching. And then when everything is, like, okay and nothing is going wrong, they have what they call the Watchman's song, which is, like, a constant low peeping sound. (laughs) So they have, like, all these different things that mean different things. So it's, like, long howl, bird, two barks, ground, constant peeping, everything's safe. It's crazy. And then when they're playing, they'll make, like, little peeping sounds, and then they also can rise to, like, Twitter sounds, and that's, like, usually when they're excited and having fun. And then when they're content, they are known to purr. Aww. So that's, like, the only thing they have in common with cats. (laughs) They can purr. That's sweet. Yeah. That is all of their communication signals, which is crazy. And they've been worked out over a long period of time. Yeah, they, they're they excellent survivors for a reason, because they have a lot of things. So, can you, I imagine, poor Timon, because he was always, like, the the outcast in his group, you know, Lion King. Mm-hmm. I can imagine him being, like, the one that's trying to make sure he's doing the calls right, but he, like, switches it so he, like, does, like, the barks when there's actually a bird coming or oh, something oh. like that. And then they all are like, where is it? And then it, like, swoops from the ground. Ugh. Like Timon, Timon, how dare you? That's what the fight would be about with the mom and the daughter. <laughs> you did the wrong signal. I'm sorry. Go, get out of here. Survive on your own for a week until I'm not mad. <laughs> oh goodness. And then like all the exiled daughters are like, "What are you in for?" <laughs> <laughs> wrong call. Oh dang. That's rough. That's rough. <laughs> what were you in for? I ate the wrong centipede. <laughs> You know, it could happen. I forgot to remove the full tail of the scorpion. Who knows? The kids are alright. It's just they weren't feeling too well. <laughs> it was just a close call. Mom wasn't happy. Oh, all the anxiety. Uh, so many things to kill them. No wonder they're so anxious. And then they're just, the mom's always angry. As a daughter, I would also be always anxious of like, am I going to make you mad? Mm-hmm. Uh, all those hormones. Alright, so it's a life cycle. Babies and mating. We're gonna learn how crazy these animals are. <laughs> Just how crazy these alpha moms can get. Um, so, they reach sexual maturity around the age of one, and then oh. the males will willingly leave their groups permanently around the age of two and start, like, their own groups or, like, join, mm-hmm. be, like, the immigrant males of other mobs and gangs. Um, and they also attempt to join and take over other mobs and gangs, and sometimes are successful and sometimes are not. And then there may, um... They go off to be Casanovas. Yeah, there you go. Uh, they're sometimes more than one breeding pair in the band, but it's not very common. It's, like, super uncommon because it's normally because of the dominant male and female. The alphas who are in charge, um, and meerkats are capable of breeding year-round. Um, so that's, again, why they produce so many babies. 
because they don't have just one breeding season. However, in their home range, it's usually like mating and breeding happens when there's like good rainfall or a high amount of rainfall. That's when most of it will occur um, because that's when they can have enough food to survive. Mm-hmm. But it still can occur all year round. And then how their court, like their mating rituals and like courtship rituals are isn't super known because a lot of their mating occurs underground. So they don't really see like what they do, but they have been like observed of the male and the female, like the dominant pair fighting. Cause like the male's like, I want to mate. And the female will be like, I don't want to mate. And then they'll kind of fight until like the male basically gets his way sometimes. Um, which, you know, these meerkats are crazy. And then, so the subordinate females occasionally will mate with the immigrant males. So the ones that aren't their brothers or their dad. It's all the ones that have joined in. <laughs> I imagine it very much like a, like, if you take it into an actual, like, person thing of, like, an actual gang or mob, like, what is it, West Side Story is, like, about two mobs, oh, right? Yeah. So if you take it into that, like, there's, like, the mom and the dad who are, like, the mob mafia, like, leaders, right? And then yeah. they have, like, their enemy gang or, like, their many enemy gangs. And then, like, someone from that gang leaves and joins their gang, right, or their mm-hmm. mob. And then, like, their daughters are like, I love you, right? And the guy's like, I love you. So they decide to, like, hook up, right? That's what I imagine this whole thing has is, like, literally, like, these, like, gang wars and mob fights of, like, people leaving one. And they're, like, starting their own little girl gang for a bit until the mom forgives them and brings them back. And it's so much funnier when you put it into, like... A real life context of that. I kind of, kind of see like a bit of Godfather in my head. It was like, mm-hmm. you come here on the day my daughter is to be married. <laughs> yes. So, yes. Yeah, so sometimes they will meet with each other. However, <laughs> this is a sneaky behavior. Comes at a really big price. Because oh, the no. dominant female is like, um... No. No one is allowed to have babies in this house but me. So, she will often kill the pups from the other female, or she'll evict them out of the house. (laughs) So she kicks them out. Um, Usually before she has the babies, she'll kick them out. um, Mm -hmm. Because if she has the babies, the mom will usually just kill them. Um, But if she kicks her out, then the subordinate female either then has to, like, survive with her own babies on her own or usually it ends up like causing her to like miscarry basically or forcefully abort her pregnancy it's super sad it's super sad and it's just so crazy so there's the other reason that the little sister gang will be like what are you in for oh I hooked up with uh, one of the immigrant males (laughs) like ah I see couldn't keep it in your pants yep Mom found out. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's a little crazy. So the dominant females are very much like, no babies unless they're my babies. It's a little crazy. Um, hey, take a chill pill, Mom. Right? Just calm down. More babies means more likely of survival. Why can't they all be our babies, you know? But no, they all have to be hers. Mm-hmm. <sighs> all right, so how long do you think they are pregnant for when... The dominant female actually has a baby. <laughs> I want to say about a couple months. No, much less. Huh? Couple I weeks? guess 
Man, I gotta do math. No, yeah, I guess you're right. A couple months would work. Yeah. Sorry, I was looking at turnaround weeks. time. <laughs> I was looking at weeks, and I was like, no, no, no. But yes, you are right. It would be a couple of months because it's about eleven-ish weeks. So, two to three months is roughly how long. There, about yeah. two and a half. Two and a half months. Yeah, two and a half. So, a couple months. Yes. <laughs> For such quick turnaround time. Yes. Yes, yes. And then they can have babies between two to eight. Like, they can have about two to eight babies is oh. their average. Um, and they always have them underground where they're safe from predators, and then they keep them super safe. Because when they are first born, they are both blind, deaf, and almost hairless. Oh. Yeah, so they're just like little naked mole rats, basically. Um, but they're a lot smaller mm. because they only weigh like 25 to 36 grams. Which is about not a lot. One to one point three ounces, if that. So they mm-hmm. are very, very small, very lightweight. Um, little babies. Cause I'm trying to think of that in butter size for people, like a little, like when you go to the store and you buy a box of butter, that's like a pound, right? So like yeah. one of those little cubes is four ounces. So, like, so half of that. Half of that, which is, like, what, four tablespoons is two ounces. So, like, two mm-hmm. tablespoons of butter. <laughs> if that. If that. That'd be a big baby. Yeah. That Give would be a, a bigger size of the baby. Mm-hmm. So, that's that's how small they t- they are. They're itsy bitsy. Um, and then everyone takes care of the young. So, the males and the females tend to the young. And then, so, when those... uh. Subordinate females who have slept around, right, and then have been evicted and also then return back to the fold um, and don't have their own babies or the mom killed their babies, uh, they are also then used as wet nurses for the mother. (laughs) So then they also have to take care of their younger siblings as a wet nurse. It's really dark. Like, Mom. I told you these animals are crazy. Ugh. They're very, very dark. Um, so they can be used as wet nurses <laughs> and to help take care of the babies, the dominant females' pups. Um, but other than that, like, all of the family, but for the most part, help raise the young and teach them and keep them safe and babysit and all those things. And then they are weaned by the time they're about nine weeks old. And then the, both the parents and the siblings and some of the immigrant males and that will teach them how to, like, their, like, skills to survive. Um, so, like, how to survive in the desert, how to forage for food, how to hunt and kill lizards and scorpions, but they do it very safely. So, they'll actually, like, bring some of these things back to the den, like, to their burrow. And they'll, like I said, like, take the tail off of the scorpion and teach them how to kill a scorpion without the danger of being stung by the tail until they've, like, got that skill down. So they, like, actually do, like, hunting 101 with their babies. It's like, here's a classroom kiddo. Here's what you do. And you're not leaving the burrow until you get it down. Right? It's crazy. So they don't even just take them out and be like, here, watch me do it. It's like, watch me do it safely. Now you do it safely. Like, they teach them how to hunt safely before they're just, like, thrown into the danger pot, you know? So crazy. But it does, cool. It does take a village. It really does. It takes It takes a mob. <laughs> or a band if you want it to be cool. But I feel like bands sound like way cooler. Less 
less vicious. Gangs and mobs sound way more vicious, which is very fitting for these meerkats. I think mobs sound cool. They can give them little pork pie hats. There you go. Um, so do you want to guess uh, how long they can live for? <clears throat> I feel like it'd be three to five years, I want to say. Oop. It doesn't feel like it'd be long time. Longer. Oh, um, seven years? Longer. Ten? Close, yes. So they can live for ten to fourteen years in the wild, but they have been known to live longer in captivity. Mm. So they have a decent lifespan. Hopefully the ones in captivity aren't as anxious, otherwise, like, what am I doing here? That's what we hope, you know? Mm -hmm. Who really knows? At least we know they're safe for the most part. Mm -hmm. Um... So knowing that they can live for 10 to 14 years and then longer in captivity, the dominant female can have up to four litters a year until she dies. Oh, jeez. So she doesn't, like, stop having babies from, like, menopause at a certain age. She literally can have them up until she's dead. Oh, jeez. So one of the um, females that they had... Um, that they were, like, observing had, her, like, a litter. Of, she was 12 years old, and she had, like, a litter, and then, like, a couple months later, she finally, like, passed away from old age and stuff. Yeah. But she, like, had a litter, and, like, literally just a few months later was like, and now I'm done. So crazy. <laughs> so they can have babies literally up until they die from old age. It's like, jeez, woman, just take Four retire. times a year. Retire, like... Oh, four litters a year. That's what's so, so crazy. That's so many babies. I want to do the math real quick. Do okay. the math. So four. And she died at 12. She died at 12. Okay. And they can start having babies around one. one. So 11 times four. 44? Yeah, 44. So about 44 litters. 44 litters. And each litter can be two to eight babies. So mama's been busy. <laughs> what is that? 44 times two is what? 88, but then 44 times 8. Yeah, 44 times 8 is 352. Oh my gosh! If it's consistently 8 per litter. So she can have anywhere from 88 to 352 babies in her lifetime, if she lives to 12. But they can live to 14 or longer. Oh my gosh! So at least she would probably have 88 kids. (laughs) Oh gosh! If she lives... There we go. 12. Least concern. (laughs) Population is not a problem. No, no, it is not. Their anxiety keeps them well alive because they just constantly are popping them out. Like, there are other ways to deal with anxiety. Like, would you like a little little gummy to help relax you? (laughs) Oh, gosh. How about you want to talk it out with somebody like a meerkat therapist? (laughs) Oh, gosh. Like, you need a spa day, just... That is a lot. Well, stop having so many babies, maybe you'll have less anxiety. (laughs) Or maybe don't live in the Kalahari Desert. That too. That too. And maybe treat your daughters nicer. Yeah. (laughs) Unless you are the daughters, then... I'm sorry, your mom is so crazy. (laughs) Your mom is a real... Real piece of work. Real piece of work. Mm -hmm. So, speaking of mothers and daughters... We're going to get to our cool weird facts. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Mothers and daughters. So, when the female, the alpha female, finally dies, um, sometimes the, like, 
one of her offspring will inherit her alpha position, like mm-hmm. from her natal group, right? Upon mm-hmm. the death of her mom from the previous alpha. But most often, um, the remaining females will actually then just fight for the seat. They'll fight for the crown because she has so many heirs. It's not like just designated to the oldest one, you know, because the oldest one could also be roughly the same age. Who knows? And not the most fit. So they usually will fight for the crown for the ruling seat of alpha female. Um, And uh, the one that wins is usually and most often the biggest female. And uh, the biggest, strongest. Yeah, so the ultimate winner, after they win, and they're they're the alpha female, they experience spikes in testosterone and estrogen, and they experience a rapid increase in weight and skeletal size within, like, the three months after taking over. Oh, then. So they fight for their right to be alpha. They win. They then get, like, these crazy hormone spikes to literally grow bigger and grow bigger bones. And then... (laughs) What chemical change has to happen for that to occur? What? Have, like, what? What kind of anxiety reaction is that? It's kind of like, um... Like, little Steve Rogers in Captain America gets yeah. the super serum, and Seriously. he comes out like that, but imagine it's a three-month process. Yeah, it's a three-month process. She wins, and then over the next three months, she literally is just growing in every possible way. Wonder what would happen to their dad? Because uh, he wouldn't be alpha male anymore, because No, be they probably weird. then start mating with one of the immigrant males, yeah. who then fights for dominance, you know? Mm. So... Just has to fight the other males, yeah. but I don't think she wants to mate with any of her brothers, so it's probably one of the... Because that's, like, the other thing was when there are two, a lot of the males... So, like, most of the groups are female, with, like, not related to males unless they're all babies. Because, like, at the age of mm-hmm. two, the males will usually leave permanently to find different groups. So it's probably them yeah. joining groups of, like, I'm gonna become the new gang dad. <laughs> but then... I'm gonna be the new mob leader. Yeah. So they try to do that but the female is always the full the true leader mm-hmm. so but the males have their own fights of, of keeping dominance <laughs> so i don't think she cares too much I don't, so i don't think they're definitely not monogamous so even in the time of the ruling of the dominant female she probably changes mates a few times based on whoever the dominant male is mm-hmm. so that's probably what's going on with that her strongest but, genes the strongest yeah. kids yeah but the <laughs> The males don't go through any crazy hormone body change like the females do, who get testosterone, oh my gosh, testosterone, thank you, and estrogen spikes to increase their weight and skeletal size. Their skeleton! So ridiculous. It's like, oh, okay, mm-hmm. here we go. It's so ridiculous. All right, mom, okay. All right. Okay, so along with that... They uh, did a study, like, so, like, a bunch of researchers got a bunch of, like, sister meerkats in a group, and they decided they were going to see, like, if they could fatten up and, like, get the smaller ones bigger, and what would happen, like, on their social structure with that. So, they got a bunch of the subordinate meerkat sisters in a group, and then they started to, like, feed the younger sisters a lot of food to help increase their size, to help them get bigger. 
And then independently, the older sisters all started to find and eat more food so they would stay bigger than the little sisters. So these scientists mm-hmm. were fattening up the littler ones. And then independently, the older ones were like, no. We see mm-hmm. that the little, the younger sisters are getting fatter. So they independently were like, we're going to get fatter. <laughs> so they also increased awesome. their size to keep their place in queue for the crown and the right to breed. Jeez. <laughs> oh. That, so, a, that sounds like a messed up um, young adult book or something. <laughs> I don't know. It's literally a mob story and a gang story. It's so crazy. I was like, can't we all just get along? No. 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 The males are all probably like, yeah, I've accepted my defeat. I'm good. And I'm just just going to carry on. Oh, this guy wants to fight? Yeah, I'm good. And Mm -hmm. they like, you know, they settle it. But the girls are constantly like battling out to be the biggest and the best until the time comes for the mom to die. And then they're like, I'm winner. (laughs) Hormone spikes. Make my bones like, grow. Like, may the odds be ever in your favor. Seriously. Oh my gosh. Someone needs to write some parody of meerkats. <laughs> it's so crazy. Or it could be like this ridiculous, crazy family and then they're trying to make amends or something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. They're crazy. Mm-hmm. The meerkats are crazy. <laughs> Mostly the females. It's all that anxiety and all those pregnancy hormones and <laughs> who knows. So ridiculous. So that's There's all that stuff. Yeah. So that's that. So let's talk about a whole mob when they get territorial, shall we? Not just the female side of it, but the males too. I was like, okay, how can you beat out the females, guys? Uh, Something tells me you can, but right. let's hear it out. So because we know they're territorial and the females are crazy and they, they run the show, it's like they basically call to war against another mob. Um, So they often overlap their territories, resulting in a lot of disputes, and they're very aggressive, but they know that they're super aggressive, so they usually try to just intimidate. They don't really try to fight if they don't have to, because they know the results when they do. And here we go. Are you ready? So not tire, entirely illogical, but yeah, they they know the they know the outcome is probably not going to be the best. So they're like, let's just intimidate and call their bluff. But when both of them aren't bluffing and they go for it, the the it's the, the a little devastating. Benefit, the cost benefit analysis is not great. Yeah, yeah. So, but how do you? Okay, that's so great, but so bad. When two groups, <laughs> when two groups of meerkats, when these mobs go up against each other, these gangs literally go to war over a territory. They line up in a row across from each other. Imagine like Lord of the Rings or all those old fashioned like typical war movies that you see them like lined up on things and then they charge. That's literally what they're doing. <laughs> Or like they in, literally line up and charge like human warriors. Like in Avengers Civil War in that airport, they're running towards each other and it's like, bluff, bluff, bluff. Oh, they're not bluffing. Exactly. But that is what they do. The meerkats literally line up like human fighters in rows across, like Red Rover, Red Rover, send this meerkat right over. No. <laughs> it's ridiculous. 
So they know that these meerkat wars, <laughs> these mob wars, gang wars, um, end in a lot of death. <laughs> I imagine, like, the because they're very the aggressive, so yeah. they will actually just fight to kill. Um, so they do try to avoid, and the imitation, imitation, the intimidation tactics they try are a lot of, like, aggressive posturing and bluffing. Um, they try to do some, like, minimal physical contact, but both of them will line up across, like, on opposite ends of the field of their, of their territory at the same time, and then they charge forward at the same time, and they charge while doing, like, these leaps and bounds, and every few bounds, they'll, like, basically do, like, this bunking, bucking bronco-like action to, like, startle them, and they keep their tail, like, straight up in the air. Oh, yeah, show aggression. Uh Uh-huh. And then, um, they hope that whatever side is the most threatened or intimidated, they'll just kind of psych out and, like, abandon and leave Mm -hmm. and stop it and then move on. Like, Um, you know what? Now we change our minds. Yeah. But that doesn't always happen, so... Their, their little meerkat wars are pretty brutal. They can kill a lot of meerkats that way, so. They kind of are my own. Is, is meerkat war worth it? <laughs> nah. But I just imagine it, like, literally, <laughs> just like. Like, imagine some epic music playing as they're charging across the field, and then you zoom out, and just like. Instead of, like, humans riding horses into battle, they're just meerkats running at each other, bucking around, and, like, tails straight up and everything. But yeah, you zoom out, and it's, like, these tiny little, like, squirrely things. Ugh, oh, the so drama. Crazy. Or you imagine it like um, Narnia, like when the animals are coming and then oh, like yeah. the tigers, like and lions, like jump and fight and all because like, they're animals and stuff. But it's like that clash, mm-hmm. the opposite ends, and they run and clash. It's so funny mm-hmm. to imagine. It's sad because it's real and it actually happens and kills a lot of them. But like the imagery of it, of like making it PG, is po- hilarious. The possible comedy going on is exactly. Just... It made me think of um, Romeo and Juliet for a second, like two households, both like yes. in fair Kalahari, where we lay our scene. Yes, there you go. <laughs> the Kalahari Desert. I don't uh, remember the rest of that, but... So great. So great. Um, but, even though we know they're super aggressive and super crazy, they are known to accept outsiders into their mobs, as we know, because of the immigrant males. Um, but then they also are willing to share their burrows with the yellow mongoose. <laughs> so they can be dot, like, they can be friendly, as long as it, like, you know, friendly, leads them in some way. Yeah. So, they're just a weird, weird, funny animal that's just very anxious. <laughs> Maybe the yellow mongooses give them, like, a little stress relief or something. Who knows? It was, like, a little treaty somewhere. Yeah. A little so, alliance. Maybe. So funny though. They're so funny and so weird and so like evil. <laughs> Not evil, but they're very like vicious. They're so nuts. <laughs> but they're yeah. But they're also so cute. They're just it's so funny and it's one of those like I like to hold you, but also no, no. Sounds because you might get go for my nose or my eyes and yeah. yeah, let's not. Yeah, let's let's not do that. All right, so the uh, famous ones I could find. What's a famous meerkat you know? Timon. Timon! He's the only real famous one. And then there's also, like, a BBC series called Meerkat Manor, which involves the filming of, like, one, like, group band of meerkats in the Kalahari Desert. I think that was the one I watched when I was a kid. Yeah, yeah. So that's probably what you did. So it kind of follows, like, just one family. 
Um, so those are the other famous ones. But other than that, those are the only famous meerkats I found. But meerkats appear in movies all the time, like mm-hmm. popping up, like looking around, like mostly like Africa jungle movies, um, different things like that. So like they have little appearances, but for the most part, the most famous mm-hmm. one is Timon. <laughs> but now that we know where he came from and why he wants Akuna Matata, it makes sense. It's like no worries. Just no like, worries. I don't I just want that anxiety relax. anymore. <laughs> And his poor mother is like an anxious queen. And he's like, where's my son? Right. He takes metaphors literally. You told him to chase after a metaphor. Uh, and she see, just grabs the so stick. So anxiety. And she just grabs that stick and hits him over the head. Yep. And jumps on his tail. All the things. So, yeah. All those things. All right. So, story time for the meerkats. All right. Is that... During COVID shutdowns of zoos, they were kind of sad. And then when the zoos were allowing visitors back in, the meerkats had actually, like, a really positive reaction to the visitors. Like, the penguins and some other animals were just like, whatever, we don't care. They carried on like normal. Mm -hmm. But the meerkats showed positive reactions of, like, their normal behavior kind of returning of, like, their social behavior of, like, running around and being more playful and doing certain things. So they were... Ultimately, like, based on the research they gathered, the meerkats had positive reactions to zoo visitors. They liked their zoo people. They liked the attention they get. Mm-hmm. They stay further away from the people, but they enjoyed the people being there. They liked them because they're very social animals. So, that is my story. Um, lightning round. Right. That's your best lightning sound, Brie. Perfect. Flawless. <laughs> I loved it. Um, a meerkat can travel at speeds of up to 20 miles per hour. Um, if the mob decides to move to another burrow, the family members um, family members and others will and caretakers will carry the pups to the new burrow with the scruff of their neck. So their babysitters mm-hmm. are in charge of moving them. Um, Maybe that one sister for, or daughter forgot one up there. Oh, no! And then ran back, got it, brought it, and then mom was like, what? How could you forget? That's true. Mom, you've been busy. That's true. You had eight. <laughs> Sorry, I lost count. It happens. I don't remember if you had eight this time or 20 this time. Um, a membrane covers the, and protects their eyes when they dig. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, that'd be a good. protective membrane. And then the oldest meerkat I was able to find was a meerkat at Barcelona Zoo. His name was Wilson, and he lived to be 22 years old. Dang. Yeah, he lived a long time. He didn't have 88 or 300 babies. Nope. He just lounged about. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then their anxiety is so bad that they're so scared of birds, even airplanes scare them. So when they Aww. see an airplane flying over, they think it's a bird, so they hide. <laughs> Which is fair. Better safe than sorry. Yeah. But that's just how bad their anxiety is. Mom um, be like, okay, you made a false call, but anyway. At least not... we're alive. Yeah, we're alive. We're good. That's true. Um, so for the last bit is, are meerkats the right pet for you? Oh. We don't have a lot of space in the backyard, so <laughs> it wouldn't be able to burrow very far and probably chew through like the electrical lines. Probably, probably. Yeah. So if maybe for... if I got a whole bunch of blankets, it could burrow in that. <laughs> you go burrow in those blankets. I would love to burrow in a bunch of blankets. Little burrito meerkat. 
There you go. And Cute. a purr in it. That's true. And maybe a purry And the, the... <laughs> <laughs> oh, they do kind of. When I was looking at a bunch of pictures and things, and I was like, they kind of have a face of like the dachshund, like a little wiener dog. So it's that elongated. Yeah. So maybe that's why you love them so much. <laughs> they remind you of your puppies. Just little Todd and little Indie. Indie. So cute. Okay, so for those who want to know, actually, if the meerkat would be a good pet for them, first things you need to know is that they are illegal in a lot of places, <laughs> and you need special permits, usually like a zoo permit of sorts, mm-hmm. uh, or sanctuary type thing. Um, but not everywhere they're illegal, so there are some states and countries, not I don't think anywhere in the United States it's legal, but there are some countries where it is legal to own them. You just have to remember that they are wild animals. They have never been domesticated. Um, and so... You're not going to be able to do it one night. No, and you probably won't really actually be able to domesticate them or anything. Um, it's really hard to train them. Mm-hmm. So the other thing, too, is that they are very social animals. And even if you're around them all the time, you're still not going to like give them the social things that they need as if they were with members of their own family so like more meerkats so if you have one you need at least two or three <laughs> so that's the other thing and because if they feel isolated socially from like their own species then they can become stressed and then they can develop like really bad self-destructive behaviors um so you would want to get more than one so if you aren't sure if you can fit one could you even fit two or three is the mm-hmm. other question um, they're very difficult, if not impossible, to house train. They tend to dig in order to find food and create burrows, so it's very likely that they will destroy your floors and other parts of your home. They can become very wary of anyone that isn't part of their pack, so even if they warm up to you and you become a part of their pack, they will probably still be aggressive towards strangers and they may attack visitors. Because as we know, they're anxious cases and they're very angry little guys. Mm-hmm. And they... <laughs> evict anyone and exile them if they're not part of their gang um and then they need a lot of space for exercise and a really good healthy diet that's hard to mimic necessarily so yeah kibble would not be good for them so you tell me i don't think it's the right pet for me i don't think it's really the right pet for anybody unless they're in a zoo yeah i think yeah leave it where you found it yeah probably just don't even pick them up because they might scratch your face off yeah you don't want stitches for that. You don't want to go to the ER and have to explain that to the paramedics. They would not be <laughs> a good service animal for anxiety because they have their own anxiety. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and on that note, that's all I got from your cats. Thank you. I loved it. Good. Well, until next time. Bye. See ya. Thank you so much for joining me, animal lovers. And also, thank you to my special guest this week. Please rate, review, and tell all your friends so I can continue with your support and sharing fun animal facts with you. I would love to hear from you. Your stories, your experiences, any suggestions you might have. Also, I would love to see any fun, cool art you guys do. You can email them to me at animalfactspodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow Animal Facts Podcast on Instagram for updates, cool art, and other fun animal-related news. Click the link in the description for the resources, the donation links to saving the different animals we talk about, merchandise, and other fun things. 
A special thank you to my family for my really fun drum rolls, my best friend Jewel for my awesome music, and to my guests for joining me in my animal passions. Thank you again, animal lovers, for listening and supporting me in my animal discoveries and adventures. And until next time, bye! Alright, so your last fact that has nothing to do with meerkats is everything to do with sea monkeys. (laughs) (laughs) So sea monkeys are both living creatures and manufactured products. So to explain this, sea monkeys are a product invented in the 1950s. They are an artificial breed of brine shrimp. Brine? Brine? Brine. I think it's brine. Yeah, I think brine. Um... So, after a trip to the pet store, the inventor, Harold Von Bront, uh, um, saw brine shrimp being used to feed, being used as fish food, and he, he believed that they could serve a greater purpose to teach children about nature, which led him to experimenting in his laboratory to find ways to preserve the brine shrimp and then bring them back to life, which this method is, like, kept secret for commercial use purposes, but that is how sea monkeys became a thing. So they're just a type of brine shrimp that's been manufactured. That someone used necromancy on. Yeah. Cryptobiosis or whatever it is. It's basically like where you like put them to sleep. Like chronic Mm -hmm. sleep. (laughs) Like Like cryogenic. Yeah, cryo. There we go. So So really cold and then you warm them up and come back. Yeah, because it's like this magical dust powder. You pour it in the water and then you see like these little creatures come to life so they call them sea monkeys because they're not they don't live in the sea and they aren't monkeys but sea monkeys so but they're just a type of brine shrimp that they were like you know this could serve a better purpose than just fish food (laughs) so that is sea monkeys both a real creature but also a manufactured product (laughs) so there you go sea monkeys Rather than getting a fish and having to teach the kid how to take care of that. There you go. Sea monkey sounds monkeys. a bit easier. A little bit. A little bit. So, it's just super funny that they're, they're, they're manufactured pet in a weird way. So, there you go. Sea monkeys. See ya, monkeys.